podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and thanks for joining us on Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County fan podcast. Are you well? We're approaching the run-in, so joining myself, Chris Parsons, to discuss whether the Rams can hold their nerve in a playoff push are Richard Kutcher. Good morrow, sir. And he's turned that frown upside down. It's Tom Martin. Hi there. Plenty to get through then, isn't there, in uh, episode 48? (coughs) But first things first... Don't forget, we're on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud, so do subscribe to the podcast to make sure you get each episode sent straight to your device. And before we go any further, Richard, you're going to give us our ex-Derby man for King of Clubs, aren't you? Our in no way original podcast guessing game. So uh, who are we doing battle over in this episode? So this week's King of Clubs, and I'll be asking you at the end of the episode to tell me how many of his former clubs you can guess is John Eustace. Oh, what a player. So how many former clubs has he had? I'll tell you that at the end, and you can tell me how many you're going to name. There's no way I'm winning that. Uh, more to come on that at Will the end. Will you be absolutely John Eustace at this Of the game. podcast, definitely. Uh, but things are looking up for Derby, aren't they? Or at least performances have improved, even if we haven't taken the points those performances deserve. It didn't really get much worse, or it couldn't have got much worse after the Villa game, undoubtedly a low point for this season but we've seen a clear reaction to those four consecutive defeats more desire more shots on goal more chances created Richard have we turned a corner or should we have expected more than five points in the last three games oh yeah points wise definitely expected or hoped for more at least than five as you say if five is a decent return one win two draws unbeaten in three but it needs to be more at this stage of season considering, considering our position and where we want to be and both Sheffield Wednesday and Stoke at home games we should be taking maximum points from but performances as you said definitely an improvement and you can't we couldn't really get any worse than Villa away so maybe that was a turning point um and both ends of the pitch we seem to be a bit better seem to be a bit more solid at the back uh seem to be creating a bit more chances and being a bit more positive going forward and if that trajectory continues then we'll be in with a shout at the playoffs and you never know we could hit some good form definitely more energy time wasn't there in the last three games yeah, uh, there was a lot more energy and a lot more sort of um, creativity going forward. More pace with the ball. Like when we saw the Villa game and we did the pod last time, um, the ball playing was quite slow uh, and it was very predictable. And I thought we, especially against Stoke, we created a lot more. And that first half against Stoke was, was probably the best I've seen Derby play in 2019, that first 45 minutes. Um, I was impressed with the way that we moved it. I was impressed with the chances we created. Um, yes, we tailed off, but um, I think... One of the things, interestingly, was um, Tom Lawrence. I thought he was excellent against Stoke. I thought a bit of a different type of player uh, who picks the ball up and like gets his head down and dribbles. Yeah, we can moan about Tom Lawrence all the time. But um, but the way that he, he approached the game on Wednesday night, I thought was very positive, And it does bode well for the future. Definitely played like he had a, a point to prove after coming back after, after missing, what, six games, was it? six games, was it, I think? But since our last podcast, uh, Derby, as you said there, thankfully have got back to winning ways by beating Wigan 2-1, which included Richard Gold for Mason Bennett, which I've probably watched about 40 or 50 times and I still can't figure it out. Can you attempt to explain it for us? Do, uh, no. do words even do it justice? Words don't do it justice, but what's kind of most pleased me about Bennett's goal was actually seeing one of our attacking players trying something 
uh, taking a risk, which we haven't seen him doing the last few months. So other than the start of the season, when Lampard seemed to be encouraging midfielders and tackers to almost shoot on sight, particularly Mount, he's been a bit safe going forward. Um, but it was instinctive. It was an instinctive action from Bennett. He went for it. He was definitely guiding it towards the goal, which is all he can ask for. And he got his uh, just desserts. So I think fair play to him for trying something a bit different, which we have been missing that spark, you know, in the in the final third. It felt to me something like a like a FIFA glitch goal almost, <laughs> the sort of one that you know where the AI just goes completely uh, completely to part and someone sticks a leg out and it flies in. Do you think he meant it? Uh, well, I mean, he means to get contact on it, and uh, therefore, as he, he means to get contact, yes, he I means do to think shoot. He, he yeah, means to shoot. I don't think he necessarily means to stick it in the back of the net in the top corner it's it's a goal that we needed because we had been so poor going forward against Villa uh, against Millwall for example and uh, and Forrest as well uh, we hadn't had shots on target we hadn't created things um, and then it just we just needed something to fly in like a deflection and that bit of break it's all, it's almost the opposite but kind of the same as when one goes off on your backside into the back of the goal you know you just need a goal from somewhere or something some luck to go for you and yeah it came in in the most spectacular fashion and yeah Tom said he might not be aiming for the back of the net, but he was definitely shooting, and that's he, he guided it towards a goal, and you've got a chance. It's like when um, players cross it in, and they just want to put it in an area, and it flies in top corner. They're not probably didn't mean when they got the ball to put it in that part of the goal. But I think he meant to, to get it into a dangerous area. I think they? he meant to score. Fair. I mean, I might disagree with you there. If he if he does that every week in training, then I'd be gobsmacked. But um, the thing that saddens me a bit about Mason Bennett is he um he is a powerful young man he still is a young man and you, we sort of forget that because he's been around for so long every time he sort of goes uh, he scores a goal or he has a good performance he then seems to get injured I feel for the lad because it's pretty much as soon as he, he that's a horrendous that, luck hasn't he yeah just, it's a real shame because he's clearly got some talent and I, I just wish he could uh, put something together which was a consistent run of 10 to 15 games I mean you rarely see a goal like the one he scored let alone us scoring one but I'm struggling to think of any goals that Derby County have scored in, in recent years which compare to that a few people flagged up the uh, that Matt Oakley scorpion kick in yeah, oh, yeah. 07 yeah. that's the only one I can think of do you, do you remember uh, the winner at Filbert Street Dow Powell the ball goes into the box I and thought that, that was a Dow Powell one I yeah. Could, yeah. It's, similar, it, it, it's, it's similar in the freak goal sort of sense yeah. but it, he just he just hoofed it up in the air didn't Dow he? Powell definitely didn't mean it without <laughs> doubt but, um, I don't know actually towards the goal so. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree once more Mr. every, every one chop goal was kind of spectacular or or Flexible in its own way. I don't think flexible is the right word, but no, one chop was weird. He was a he's a he was a very <laughs> <laughs> he's a very gangly character, wasn't he? he didn't look like a, a sort of an athlete, so to speak. Now, Richard, I've got a potentially difficult task for you here. Derby's left back against Wigan, scored one, made another, hit the post in the following game against Wednesday, and almost scored against Stoke. Isn't it about time he gave Scott Malone some long overdue credit? Not for his defensive work. Yeah, he can do something going forward, but all fullbacks have their moments going forward. Jaden Bogle's had a lot of moments going forward, but his bread and butter needs to be defending. I, I see what you're saying. He can be a threat going forward. He scored that great goal against West Brom. was on the end of it, at least. He scored an important goal for us in the last few weeks. But he was still beaten way too easily against Stoke City when Tom, Tom Edwards got round him, put a cross in, and McLean almost scores the winner by hitting the woodwork with a diving header. So he's got to look after himself a bit more at the back. Look, I want to see him playing well. He does offer something going forward. But for me, there's still massive question marks going backwards. I actually think Derby defensively have been much more solid. They've, they've clearly looked at the Villa game where they were they were open as a Amsterdam brothel house. 
<laughs> and they, I, was, uh, I was wondering where that analogy was going. Yeah. You kept it relatively clean. Yeah, I did. Yeah, well done, Tom. Tom Eagle. <laughs> but yeah, they were they were clearly all over the place at the back, and they've obviously done a lot of work in training. Um, and I think Bogle in particular, but also Malone has got to take some credit for that as well. I think we we're not letting as many crosses into the box as we we did against Villa, um, and as we're not looking quite as sort of uh, weak and all over the place at the back. I think Sheffield Wednesday put us under a lot of pressure, and that that was the best result for me in terms of the fact that we didn't I think Sheffield Wednesday could argue that they deserved to win that game uh, against us and we therefore got away with a point whereas Stoke we definitely should have beaten them um, so I think Malone is um, Malone's done a right recently but yeah I still think long term we've still got issues at left back The reason I mentioned him uh, and you mentioned Bogle there as well is that I feel like the fullbacks have been two of our best players in the last three games I mean Jaden Bogle in particular seems to have really kicked on recently in fact against Stoke which we'll, we'll come on to that game in a bit more detail he had more touches than anyone else and completed more than twice as many tackles as anyone else pretty impressive given he was up against James McLean who as we said is, is no mug at, at championship level how much of that do you think Richard is down to uh, Ashley Cole's positive influence if anything oh it could be we don't know I mean it, it definitely could be maybe they've just been working on defensive side of the game a bit more on training, which they needed to have been doing, which is probably overdue. I'm sure also having two um, more conservative midfielders playing together in Huddleston and Johnson has probably helped as well. The, the fullbacks might feel able to get out to the winger quicker, knowing they've got kind of more protection on the inside. So the Cole factor may well may well be in play. We, we, we don't know. We don't know how much hands-on he's actually doing, if he's actually working with the whole defence as kind of a player-coach type of role or if it's just kind of mentoring. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's working closely with, with Bogle. Absolutely. It'd be mad for that not to be happening. And and Bogle, he's going to have these kind of peaks and troughs in his season. We've seen it, we've seen it throughout the season. And he's going to have games where he's excellent and he doesn't get beaten and he's a threat going forward. And he's going to have games where he looks a bit lost. I mean, we've given him a few pelters this season along with some other players, but he... Uh... Could have opened his account again against Wednesday, couldn't he, Tom? Had that lovely, on the end of that lovely team move, a nice slick dummy from uh, David Nugent put him in, but he couldn't quite keep his composure to uh, pick out the bottom corner, could he? Bogle's had a, a number of chances um, over this season to to do that, and he, he looks dangerous coming in from the right flank. He'll do it eventually. Yeah, I think as soon as he scores, I think he's going to be a real uh, sort of goal-scoring fullback. Like not sort of scoring five, ten goals a season, but he's certainly going to chip in. And he, he has looked so much more dangerous. Uh, as you mentioned, the Sheffield Wednesday game, um, he obviously cr- had that chance. But against Stoke, I think he... Uh, against Stoke, he controlled uh, the ball quite nicely on the right wing he, he looked dangerous he was running behind the uh, the fullback and was getting a lot of support for the wide man and I think Kutch you mentioned the two defensive minded midfielders it's quite good to see those in there because it does give license for Malone and Bogle to go forward when we've been playing Villa I, I felt and we commented about the fullbacks being too far forward there was only one option into midfield but then with Huddleston and Johnson we've now got two options so suddenly we can there's a much clearer link between that I think um those two defensive midfielders when Mount comes back I'd love to see Mount then put at the front in front of those two with Wilson going back to the wing with another winger whether it's Waghorn whether it's Bennett whether it's Lawrence or Holmes on the right hand side because I'm pretty sure that was kind of the formation we were playing earlier in the season although it's been very rare that Johnson and Huddleston have played together actually I think I think they kind of dovetailed in the first half of the season but I'd love to see Mount in front of those two with, with attacking wingers either side and then, and then Marriott or Waghorn up front We're sort of moving towards a 4-2-3-1 really aren't yeah. we? Um, yeah which I think has always suited us actually. And it is about at this point square square pegs and square holes because uh, one player I was going to come on to who has recently impressed is Bradley Johnson 
back in the goals against Sheffield Wednesday, arguably Derby's best player in that game as well. And we all know he's had his ups and downs, ups and downs this season. And it's inevitable that when he does drive the team on like he did against Wednesday and Stoke, you know, tries to make things happen, takes some of the physical duties off Huddleston, stops us getting bullied in midfield. And he adds that much needed balance, doesn't he? That talk does turn to whether his contract should be renewed or just extended for a little bit. It runs out in the summer. Um, I was wondering what you two think about that. Lampard was asked about it in January. Didn't really give a firm answer either way. I mean, for me, it seems harsh, but I'd probably say no, to be honest. I mean, he's been a good servant to the club, you know, more than 120 appearances since he joined in 2015, but he's 32 next month and he's a high earner as well. And I just think Frank could find someone who does a similar job for much less money, basically. If you think about even when we played against Wigan, someone like Reese James, who is a great young prospect and is quite a similar sort of a midfield player to Johnson, I'd, lo- I'd love to think that Lampard's going to tap up his Chelsea contacts and try and get him on board in the summer. Um, I think with uh, I think the Johnson question, uh, if we're going to call it that, is is an interesting one because I like Bradley Johnson. He's, he's not quite done what I'd hoped he would do because he was banging in the goals for... Uh, both Norwich and Leeds beforehand, then then hasn't really done that for us. Yeah, only, uh, since um, he's joined only thirteen goals in uh, in his hundred twenty appearances with Derby, which isn't really the return we were expecting, is it? No, not not at all. And but I do I do like him. It's one of those. It's difficult. If I think if he was thirty, I think we'd be offering a new contract. Um, but I think as thirty two year old, if we're going to offer him a new deal, I would not be wanting it to be more than the season. Um, and I'd be looking at more of a, a pay as you play sort of. Thing, but I don't think he'd accept that from us. Um, I think we need to be considering. There's a lot of talk of financial fair play. There's a lot of talk, obviously, of Morris uh, potentially leaving and uh, Derby losing a lot of money in the papers. So someone like Johnson, for me, he's not a first teamer, and he will be on a lot of money. Um, I think we could pe- perhaps it might be a good time to say right out of the old and let's actually genuinely have a revamp of this team. Uh, yeah, I think I kind of agree with, with with both of you there. I do think that Lampard will probably have to choose one or two of those who are on the way out who are older out of contract to stick around for a bit um i'm sure it wouldn't <clears throat> i'm sure if we did keep him it wouldn't be renewed on the same terms but if he stays in the team uh, for the for the rest of this season and, and lampard thinks he's found the right role for him and he's happy and johnson's happy i mean who, who knows if there is only limited interest in him from other clubs then maybe he could re-sign on reduced terms or, or a one or two year deal he's not going to get the same contract he's got from us now anywhere else so he's going to be get, taking a wage cut wherever he goes so to be honest i think it's going to come down to if anyone, any other championship club wants him and if lampard likes him maybe we can keep him as, as tom said on, on a one-year deal this is really part of the problem we're going to have in the summer and that we have had for at least one transfer window if not two is that johnson is one of those players that we bought on, I assume, pretty decent money on big wages. It's like him and Butterfield and Anya and Martin, whose contracts were renewed, even to a lesser extent, Thorne as well. That It's all very well that they are half-decent championship players, but if no other team can match what they're on, we're not going to get rid of them. It's that simple. They're, they're, why would they go to another team to drop their wages? No, well, at least most of those are out of contract. Thorne's got one more con- one more year, hasn't he? Has Martin got one more year? I think Martin's yeah, I think is Martin twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. It's definitely not this year, so it's either next year or the year after. But yeah, Anya is definitely out. Um, Anya's not even a consideration. And, he's and, he's and, gone. Anya's right. yeah, Anya's definitely contract is up and is going. Butterfield's contract is definitely up and is going. Johnson's contract is definitely up. If you can't get rid of Martin or Thorn, they'll they'll, they'll have to get rid of Johnson. I, I just wonder how 
yeah, I wonder how much control Derby have of it, and I wonder what Derby's aim is. And as I sort of alluded to uh, a minute ago, Derby have gone through like a quite a few transitions, obviously since that that great season we had where we we should have got promoted and obviously didn't uh, in the playoff final. We then sort of tweaked things, and we almost got promoted the following year, and then fell away uh, dramatically. We then had managers come in, and we've been there and thereabouts, and it's been a sort of evolve, but a revolution in the in the sort of back room, so a revolution in the manager, but then an evolving of the team. We've never really uh, started from scratch with this team since the first Wembley season, have we? It's always been stop gaps, topping up the existing squad. It's never been a complete overhaul, has it, Richard? No, it hasn't been a complete overhaul. The, the last good team we've had, and this is the best lesson that Mel Morris can learn <laughs> from this, whether people liked, um, and this is the best lesson, Mel Morris can learn from this whether people like Nigel Clough or not Nigel Clough had four years of building a team and that was a team which McLaren took to the playoff final and was the best team we've had probably in the last 10 years so well most to, of it was there, there was a few yeah there's a, a bit couple, of added quality here and there but it was the same season right the, the core was the core that Clough built and McLaren took it to the next level I'm not saying Clough would have taken it to the next level but McLaren did but that came from having a consistent approach a consistent management staff a consistent recruitment policy which in the main came from the lower leagues and McLaren put the icing on the cake so I would say to Mel Morris if you're going to stick around then let's commit to that long-term plan ensure that Lampard sticks around for it which might be easier said than done but let's have a two or three year recruitment plan which gets us to a point where we've built a young hungry team which are as you said earlier square pegs and square holes yeah I definitely think that that needs to be done if you look back to that team the likes of sort of Hughes Keogh Martin Bryson with Hendrick. a core yeah Hendrick with a core of that side um, and they were all all clough signings or come through the youth uh, the youth uh, sort of ranks um, Keogh's obviously 32 now is it is it time that we Maybe maybe bring in a centre back because we haven't had a, a real centre back partner for him. I know Tomori obviously this year, but he's not our player. Um, we're going to need someone who's relatively experienced, perhaps coming from uh, from maybe the lower leagues or or maybe from Scotland or something. Um, maybe it's, maybe it's time for for a big overhaul of that team. Before we have a quick break, let's wrestle it back to the, uh, <laughs> the current team. Before we worry too much about the uh, past five years, I wanted to get your quick thoughts on Harry Wilson. Uh, 12 goals this season, but he hasn't scored now for two months. I don't think he's assisted either. I could be wrong on that. Correct me if I am wrong. I wouldn't go as far as to call this a decline, but do you think there's a reason, Richard, why he isn't hitting the heights he did before Christmas? Yeah, same reason we questioned Bogle. He's a young player. Show me any young player other than someone like Wayne Rooney who has has been consistently excellent from the age of 17 onwards. Now, Harry Wilson, he started the season pretty av- pretty bang average. People were questioning his place in the team. He then stepped up to play and had an incredible run. Um, I honestly do think that the, the Wilson decline, if it is that, or just what you know, probably out of form, is, is really connected to kind of Mount going off to boil and then being injured and out of the team. You know, Mount went off the ball before his injury and, and that also is probably because of his, he's a young player and I'm sure Wilson's probably feeling the pressure and the extra attention he's, he's getting from opposition at the moment he went for an excellent run he went for a silly goal scoring streak and even I highlighted at the time of that streak but I didn't think he was doing quite enough in open play he then went on to prove me wrong I think for a couple of games and was creating more and scoring from open play but he's gone quiet again and I don't think we can be surprised because he is he is a young player I mean he was trying things against Stoke but nothing he was trying was coming off as I tweeted at the time I mean he had the header on the rebound after Holmes hit the post with that amazing volley it's good to say the, on another day could have gone in um, you know got on target kept it low had the free kick in the last few minutes that hit the bar I mean on another day that six inches lower is in the top corner 
So it's not as if he's drifting completely out of games. He's still trying stuff, but just for one reason, the things that were working for him in November just aren't quite happening for him at the moment. I think it's it's just a natural ebb and flow of a season, isn't it? And this Derby team was reliant on Wilson, let's face it. And it's a point that we, we all made and um, uh, through the November, December time when I remember the Swansea game brought it up last time, but like he, he was brilliant that game, scored two great goals. Um, but the rest of the Derby team weren't quite there and it was just Wilson carrying us through. Now, you can't rely on one player all the way through the season. So there's a lot more to come from this Derby team. Um, and when Mount comes back, I'm excited to, to see that again. Um, I'm excited to see Wilson rediscover his form. Like he's, he's not playing badly. He was banging in goals and everything was going off for him. For him, but at the moment, Marriott hasn't scored for a while. He's he's not looked as uh, as dangerous as he was. Um, and I thought he was going to score twenty goals this season, Marriott. But he's had his difficulties with fitness, and obviously hasn't quite taken the chances he's had recently. Um, but again, these players will all come back. They're all capable. I do I do think that as Tom mentioned, if Mount comes back fit and in form, it could see, really see a strong end to the season for both Wilson and Mount. If that happens, it will get the best out of the rest of the team. I'm thinking particularly Huddleston, Johnson, Marriott in particularly. And then I think we'll be a scary team to come up against. It just depends if, if we can get Mount back fit and everyone firing quick enough before the season kind of runs out of time. That old cliche that he could be like a new signing, couldn't he? But anywho, Steve Bloomer's washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, the family-run micro-pub operator in Derby, with three venues including The Tap, which is a 20-minute walk, from Pride Park. Before we come back, don't forget to follow us on social as well. Steve Bloomer's Washing is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. And the Stoke game was bizarre, wasn't it? It's probably more of a reflection on Stoke than us. Than if you'd have said in pre-season that Derby would be gutted about dropping two points at home to a Stoke team who basically made very little effort to win the game. You'd have been laughed at, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think it was um I think Stoke came for a point and they got it and they only got it not because they tactically set up, they got it because Jack Butler was bloody amazing. He's a fantastic goalkeeper and what he's doing in the championship. Any side that goes up this year, Norwich, I think, uh, or Leeds or Sheffield United, whoever it is, but if, certainly if it's Norwich, they should be buying Jack Butland. But even if even not just Butland, you look at Stoke starting 11, like Ince, McLean, Afobi, Shawcross, Butland. There's quality throughout that. Well, maybe less so Shawcross, but you know, there's quality throughout that Stoke team. How on earth are they 17th? What's their new manager actually changed at the team? Because that performance at Derby was like a Gary Rout performance. You know, McLean puts that header in, they've smashed and grabbed 1-0, and that's kind of what Derby did for most of last season. So I don't really know what... Is it Nathan Jones? Yes, Nathan Jones, I, I don't, manager. I don't really know what Nathan Jones has done to change their style of play because I thought he I thought he was well known for a decent style of play at Luton Town it did make me laugh that because uh, I watched it on Sky I took the gamble on it but they didn't have Tony Gale on which was brilliant because he is horrific um, TG. but anyway Sto- uh, Sky were talking about how a Stoke win would have reignited their late push for the playoffs because <laughs> a 10 point gap isn't insurmountable they're 17th They've got ten teams above them to get to to climb above to get in the top six. Complete yeah, and, nonsense. And showed no signs of putting together that kind of run. Yeah, but uh, absolute rubbish. On another day, though, Tom, one where Jack Butland basically doesn't put in a nine out of ten performance, um, we definitely win that, don't we? Nineteen attempts on goal we had against Stoke. Uh, Holmes crashed that one against the post. Wilson hit the bar. Uh, Bradley Johnson went close. Scott Malone went close. 
Jack Marriott went close. Just a classic case of doing virtually everything but score. The, the, the most pleasing thing about Wednesday, and the, the reason why I'm a bit disappointed we're obviously not playing this weekend because uh, Swansea City are in the Cup, um, is because actually that was that 45 minutes, the first 45 minutes was brilliant. Um, Derby looked at it, we were pressing them, uh, we were creating chances, we were moving the ball quickly. Um, and that was something I haven't seen from Derby, I don't think, this calendar year. Um, the good, really pleasing thing is we were having a go. 19 shots is... I would imagine more than we've had in the previous five or six games combined. So um, a really good effort from Derby. Not the result, but the performance is there and that bodes bodes well for the future. I think I added it up as uh, 14 shots on target in the past three games in total, which is a distinct improvement on the uh, three that we managed in the uh, three games before that. It's not hard, is it? Do you think, did Stoke not do... Did Stoke not do their homework on us? Like, how did I didn't get to see the whole game? I know you, I know you watched it, Chris. But did they press us? Did they press our defenders? Did they stand off us like a lot of teams have done and let us come to the halfway line, and then close down our midfielders? Like, it feels like maybe Stoke did something wrong if we were creating that many chances against them. I don't want to do us down, but did they not? Did they not put the game plan in place that everyone knows tackles us? Or did they're we just be, they're or just did, a team with decent players who are playing much below their potential level and not um, as a team. Yeah, and not as a team. They're not playing much confidence. They basically try to stifle us. Um, as Tom said, play for a draw, really, which is a big compliment to us from that from a team with the players that Stoke have. So, yeah, a frustrating one. Um, great to see Jaden Mitchell Lawson get his debut as well, wasn't it? Came on for the last ten minutes for Tom Lawrence, and he looks pretty rapid as well, from what I thought. Yeah. Had a few uh, had a few touches that didn't quite go to plan, but he looks. Pretty, pretty fast and definitely promising. But I was just—it <laughs> made me laugh because nothing says "Welcome to First Team Championship Football" like getting absolutely clattered by Ryan Shawcross, does it? No, I mean Lawson's Mitchell Lawson's had some uh, some really good reviews for the for the youth team. He scored scored quite a few goals recently, um, so it's great to see him in there. And yeah, just a short little cameo. And actually, the touch, the the little pass inside, and the touch that took him past Shawcross, he was going, and I was like, yeah, a fantastic direct run, which is exactly what we needed. Uh, which obviously won the free kick that Wilson then crashed off the bar. I think it's great to see Lampard giving them a chance, and it might be as much about needs rather than kind of wants or desires um, from Lampard. He might need to put put these players in and need to play them because he wants to not play some of these out of contract players. Um, but to, in my mind, if you're if you're a player that's made its way through the youth academy of a, of a top club, uh, a, a top academy like Derby Counties, and got to a stage where you are knocking on the door, there's definitely no doubt that you are a good enough player to, to make that step up to championship. It's just about get being given a chance and having the right mentality to, to seize it. For me, when you get to a certain level of, as, as a youth academy player at a club like Derby, it's can you take the chance you're given? It's, I don't think there'll be questions about his ability uh, and about his skill level and about his tactical brain, I think it's more about can he cope with the pressure. And you only know if you put them in. So I'm delighted that Lampard's playing a few of these players in the second half of the season. And he'll know then who might have it in them to step up for, for next season. We um, we alluded to it in the first half about uh, a sort of change in this Derby team going forward. And the amount of involvement of young players in this Derby side this year has been, has been really refreshing. We haven't seen that since the Hughes, the Hendricks sort of period. And there's been so many players who've come in Mitchell Lawson, Bogle, Bird, just to name a few, um, and I've actually done pretty pretty well. And they've 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 put shifts in uh, at times, and they've been um, the under twenty threes and the under eighteens are both doing well in in league and cup competitions. And it's actually really good to see. And I think that is a that is the future that we are building. Um, and we've clearly got a good use set up, and the money that's been spent on there behind the scenes by Morris and the rest um, 
well spent for me. Plenty to be positive about overall then, which we all appreciate after the uh, last few weeks. And as we said, Derby are well and truly in the mix for either fifth or sixth spot in the playoffs. We should probably give a disclaimer at this point that we don't know where they're going to be by the time you listen to this podcast because teams around us are due to play this weekend. But there's nine games to go, 27 points to play for. So the three of us are probably quite foolishly, we're going to predict how many points Derby are going to get between now and the end of the season. I tried this a couple of years ago and... I got it so badly wrong, I basically missed it by about 15 points. <laughs> um, we're going to have a go anyway. We've all made result predictions for the last nine games that Derby have before recording. That'll almost certainly come back to haunt us, but let's go around the table game by game. So, uh, Tom, you can go first, then Richard, then me. Quick fire, one word, win, lose or draw. Tom, Rotherham at home. Win. Richard? Win. I'm saying win. I think we've got to be beating a team like Rotherham. Uh, there's there's no doubt. It should be a clean sheet. It should be comfortable 2-0. Brentford away, Tom? Um, I went 0-2, so lose. Yeah, I'm going lose. Draw. Blackburn away, Tom? Uh, draw. 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 Bolton at home? Same as Rotherham. Win. Yeah, win. Win. Uh, Birmingham City away? I think after the Grealish things, I'm going to go for a win. I think Birmingham are going to fall off. Off the cliff this season. You're saying, what are you saying, win? Same win, yeah. Draw. I said draw. QPR at home. Win. 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 Uh, Bristol City away, Tom. Uh, this is a big one. Uh, we're going We're going to lose that one. I think this is the one away game we're going to win in the rest of the season. That's bold. I've said defeat. I think they're falling off. I think Bristol City will fall out. Rearranged Swansea City away, Tom. Car crash. Lose. <laughs> On the M4 or <laughs> Well, hopefully not, because the Derby fans won't get there and I don't want anyone to be involved in that. But yeah, we're going to lose. Keeping them. this cheerful, good. Well said. Draw for me. Uh, I said draw. And last day of the season, West Bromwich Albion at home, Tom. Win. I think this will kill us off. I think we'll lose. I said win, because I think West Brom will be on the beach by then, having already qualified for the playoffs. So, Tom, what does that give your total points from those nine games? Uh, for me, it gives 72 points. Um, so you're saying an extra 16 points. 16 points uh, and there, five wins, one draw, uh, and then three defeats. And for me, I think looking at that, it's probably going to put a seventh, uh, is my thought, looking at the previous year's tables. But then again, I think the points totals are quite low this year. I, that would give My predictions would give us 15 points, basically winning our home games, um, picking up one apart from the West Brom game, uh, picking up one win away from home and a couple of draws. That'll give us 15 points and put us on 71. So so like Tom, I think probably miss out, but we could sneak in. Quite interesting that we almost had exactly the same prediction. Yeah. So I said 16 points in total, which also puts us on 72. Um, so 72, 71, 72. As a rule, I think mid-70s definitely gets you in. Uh, 70 to low 70s sometimes gets you in. But we asked the good folk of Twitter, if you feel the same, we just I put four options out, basically. Um, how many points do you think Derby will get between now and the end of the season? Uh, 0-9, to 10-15, to 16-20, to 20, or 21-27. to 27. 46% said, what do you think they said, Richard? I think that, what, 10-15, to 15, probably? That's right, yeah. So 46% said 10-15. to 15. 40% said 16 to 20, slightly more optimistic. 
uh, 8% were very optimistic, so 21 to 27, and just 6% said 0 to 9. Um, so I think a lot of fans are having a similar thought about the end of the season as we are. It's a funny one, isn't it, really? It is a bit of a mugs game, predictions, I mean, and it basically depends on how all the other teams around you perform. I mean, for example, two years ago, when we completely, when our asses fell out with 10 games to go and we lost out on the final day, got 78 points and finished eighth. So you just don't know. But only once has a team finished sixth with fewer than 70 points. That was Leicester in 2013 when they finished in the playoffs on 68 points. Was that that Watford game in the semi-final? That's it. And they were beaten by Watford with that amazing, amazing Troy yeah. Deeney goal. Unbelievable scene. In the semi-final. Um, just just on this though, in terms of looking at the teams around us, um, I had a look at the fixtures because that's why I was trying to work out where would Derby be. And my prediction for that, for their 72 is then seventh. But um, like Borough have got to go to Villa. They've got Leeds. Uh, Villa have got some tough games coming up. Um, there's lots of teams who are in and around there. Who uh, Bristol City have got to go to Villa as well. Lots of teams who are in and around that playoff mix are playing each other. Um, and you almost want like draws in those games or one team to fall off. I, I'm I would be more worried at the moment about Villa. Um, just for the way they played against us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and they the, battered Forest. Yeah, they battered Forest, And I'd also say that was a quality result away at Birmingham City. And that's a, a real like unity or unifier within the club. Um, so Villa would be the, the team I'm looking at below us. But I still think Middlesbrough aren't aren't there. They've got game in hand on us, two points clear. Um, but they've got a really tough run of fixtures. And I think Derby have the better run. I'm pretty sure Borough's game in hand is against Bristol City, actually. Um, I could yeah, be they both got games in hand, so that would make sense. Um, yeah, it's on the 2nd of April. I've got it all figured out, though. Don't worry, I know exactly what's going to happen in the end of the season. Villa, don't have to worry about them, because Jack Grealish has been playing really well, but he'll get too full of himself, and he'll get caught up in some sort of like similar hippie crack-based incident. Yeah. One of Tom's Amsterdam brothels. Banned, banned for 10 games, yeah. Villa fall off a cliff, finish 10th. So that's Villa out of the way. <laughs> uh, Bristol City and Borough cancel each other out they've both got tough run-ins so um, Derby finish above them we finish fifth get West Brom in the semi-final uh, spirit of Stephen Pearson we sneak past West Brom over two legs Sheffield United in the final at Wembley they bottle it because they finished third oh they're all sad oh boo-hoo so we nick it 1-0 last minute Richard Keogh header Derby in the Premier League job done Lampard goes to Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> well Sheffield United have just beaten Leeds so um, Leeds, Leeds are going to be the ones who are going to bottle it Derby Leeds semi-final okay ignore everything I just said in that case um, so I did some very scientific research on the run-in um, by asking two Villa fans that we know to predict their results because I mean after what I've talked about there and the form they're in and you've said yourself Tom that Villa are arguably the biggest threat to Derby's promotion push, aren't they, at the moment? So we spoke to two Villa fans, uh, Villa Ben, friend of the party that we've spoken to before, to ask him how he think how many points he thinks they'll get when the end of the season, and a colleague of mine, Tom at work, to do the same. Um, ben, I should probably say at this point, they're both quite glass half full given the Villa, given the form that Villa are in. So Ben said he thinks Villa will get twenty one points from their remaining nine games, seven wins. And or was it ten remaining games? Uh, no, sorry, nine. Um, six wins, three draws, no defeat. So he thinks they'll go the entire rest of the season unbeaten, which puts them glass on half full. You said Chris seventy <laughs> glass overflowing, uh, seventy five points. And my um, colleague Tom at work as a Villa season ticket holder said twenty points 
six wins, two draws, one defeat, which puts them on 74. So both of those two Villa fans reckon that they will probably pip us to it. If Yeah, if you go, if you go by our predictions and they would finish above us, yeah. How do you see it panning out? I know it's completely ridiculously hard to even predict, but do you see Villa as the biggest threat now? Yeah, I do. I think we finish above Bristol City, um, but I think Villa may well charge in and good luck to them if they do. I, I think that's a really interesting and bold. I mean, just looking at the fixtures, they've got Borough today uh, on the 16th and then they've got to play Bristol City, but they've also got Sheffield Wednesday and I think Derby's result against Sheffield Wednesday, that one all draw, uh, will actually come back and be a really, really critical point um, because Wednesday are flying at the moment and Bruce has got them really organised and they're, they're a potential dark horse. I wouldn't necessarily fancy them to go unbeaten. Um, I think there's lots to go Go on. I think we're still too far out to predict this. Borough Forest as well in end of April. If, and it's a it's the biggest of big ifs, if we did make the playoffs, who would you want? Leeds. I think. Let's do them over like, like they've done elsewhere. I feel like we owe Leeds one. That could be fun. <laughs> um, I think Millsborough. I know, that, I know that we struggled against them, but we absolutely battered them both games. And I know that they've got a a knack of, of winning those tight games and kind we, of we didn't away. we didn't in home game I think it needs to be said like they were probably the better team in the second half of the game at our place mm. I think Barra or West Brom or Leeds anyone just bring him on if we're in the playoffs if we're on the playoffs we would have had a good run so bring on Tom yeah I, I'd if if we're going to prefer have a preference here I would um I would hope that we finish fifth and then we manage to play West Brom that's who I who I'd want I probably wouldn't actually want Sheffield United or Leeds or Norwich whoever finishes third. It seems like it's basically uh, it's it's two from three for the automatics now, isn't it? Even with, um, or it's even more bunched up now, isn't it? With Sheffield United beating Leeds. Norwich got a game in hand and are a point clear of Sheffield United and two clear of Leeds. And then West Brom are nine points further back, but they're six points ahead of Borough. So it's it's Derby and Borough who've got the playoff places for me up for grabs. Um, and then you've got anyone down to arguably, I'd say arguably down to Hull on 50 points there's six points adrift of us I think that's I mean realistically I don't think Birmingham or Hull are going to be in there but I think they're the team so there's lots of teams going for those two Birmingham probably quite unlikely because they're facing a possible points deduction as well yeah yeah that's obviously an interesting one from the Grealish and perhaps disagree with that the points deduction on uh, on reflection but yes so because of the financial trouble there. oh okay I didn't realise that I've missed that one so double points deduction double actually. points yeah so there you go any other business Richard before we wrap up this episode Oh, we have to do, uh, on King a similar quiz theme, we have yeah. to do King of Clubs. So, Richard, you gave us at the beginning of the podcast the name of a former Derby player and Tom and myself have to take it in turns or challenge each other to name as many of that player's former clubs as we can. Who is it? So the player is John Eustace and he had six former clubs other than Derby County. So um, I think I asked you first last time, Chris, Tom, how many of John Eustace's former clubs can you name? I, I was trying to think of this during the pod, and um, I was struggling a bit. I'm going to go two. Three. Do you want to challenge Chris, or do you want to up him to four? <sighs> yeah, maybe I should have gone three. Chris is very confident there as well. I just don't think I can name four. Okay, Chris, I'm going to uh, hand the baton over to you. Good luck. Spoiler, I'm not confident. <laughs> All right, you <laughs> name... sounded confident. <laughs> so name them one by one, and I'll tell you if they're correct. If it's wrong, and Tom wins. Watford. Correct. Coventry. Correct. They're my two. Does player manager count? Uh, yes, but I, I don't know if he was. Kidderminster? It's not on the list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, and do you know, Tom, who the other ones were? Um, so Watford and Coventry were going to be my two that I'd have uh, picked. I might have said Luton Town. Nope. 
No. What have been wrong? So he also made 11 appearances for Dundee United in the late 90s. He made one appearance oh, on loan. Of course he did, yeah. Why didn't I get that? <laughs> yeah. Made one appearance on loan at okay. Borough in 2003. He made 74 appearances for Stoke City uh, yeah, in 2003-2008, yeah, scoring five goals, and he made eight appearances on loan at Hereford United in 2006. That's this week's King of Clubs. So that's 2-0 to Tom. We're going to play here around again next week. I don't like losing. <laughs> yeah. Um. That, that, that was a tricky one. I think you almost need players who've had more clubs because I was like, I can definitely name two, but I would struggle for a third. And... Well, or just know football better. Well, <laughs> would you have known how many clubs he Yes. <laughs> and that's the real quiz. The real, this is the real quiz. Who am I is rubbish. Before we finish for this episode, I just, uh, you know, you mentioned any other business and I think... It's worth at this point giving credit to the club for uh, for their promotion of the uh, Keep Audrina Dancing campaign, the uh, the GoFundMe campaign to raise money for uh, little Audrina Hatton Wright, the uh, four-year-old girl from Duffield who is battling cancer. Um, I'm sure all fans on social media have seen those um, inspirational video and pictures of her with the uh, with the first team for the Sheffield Wednesday game. So well done to everyone involved in that, to her family as well for. Um, raising awareness on that cause uh, we're gonna we're gonna donate some uh, some cash to that one it's an extremely worthy cause and i encourage all rams fans to do the same uh richard anything from you at all no that's all have a good weekend go on tom oh, i just wanted to mention the jack grealish thing from the bowman sea just like really hope that supporters across the country today and in future can can behave appropriately in football grounds i'm sure we all see like things at football grounds that we don't agree with and that's certainly one of them so Absolutely. i just wanted to to bring that up we haven't really got time to, to do the deep dive on that yeah. whole subject we don't it's need quite to because it's Jack Grealish but... as well so <laughs> but yeah. no I, I, I entirely agree um, Richard Keogh 600 appearances since our last podcast fair play to him I say that's a lot of games since the last podcast 600 appearances <laughs> <laughs> uh, no he's, he's a cracking servant isn't he I mean we give him we give him all sorts of uh, abuse from time to time for like some mistakes and he's got some howlers in him but um, so many different managers have picked him and he's been captain pretty much throughout that time at Derby and yeah he's a great servant for the club and he's had a great career and he looks like our very own Tom Martin so you know congratulations on both fronts yeah the love child of uh, Richard Keogh and uh, Tom Parker Bowles Uh, terrifying and Craig Price (laughs) (laughs) Craig Price on that uh, scarring mental image let's wrap it up for now so we'll be back after the Rotherham game on the other side on the international break thanks ever so much for listening as we said please subscribe but until then richard cheers thank you tom thank you very much all the best see you next time bye